The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. People often ask me what I think about animal foods that are free range or cage free or humane certified. And I tell them something that I wrote in Main Street Vegan that said, What ethical justification could there possibly be for breeding sentient beings to be murdered in adolescence to provide food that's injurious to human health and environmental integrity? The 1% to 3% of farmed animals not in intensive confinement systems do have it somewhat and sometimes quite a bit better than their conventionally raised peers Even so, if 97 to 99% of the people in a country were being tortured, 1 to 3% weren't, but the entire population was on death row, you'd call that a catastrophe. This is catastrophic too. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Program. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have a couple of wonderful, wonderful guests that you're going to absolutely adore. I'm certainly crazy about both of them. After our break, we're going to bring on Dr. Kevin Jenkins. He's a Seventh-day Adventist clergyman, a protective details specialist, and a podcaster of The Cool And right now, we're going to be talking with somebody who is incredibly cool and has been for many, many years, a wonderful yoga teacher, a committed longtime vegetarian, and now somewhat longtime vegan. And that is my good friend, Carol Kaliani Burrell. She moved from New York to Santa Monica, California five years ago. After transitioning to veganism in 2010, together with her husband, Arthur, with whom she just celebrated 52 years of wedded bliss, Carol (laughs) has been a yoga teacher in the integral yoga tradition since 1976, and she is the co-author, along with her teacher, Sri Swami Sachidananda and other senior students of his, of a book that was originally known as The Healthy Vegetarian. 
and she has been asked recently to revise it to be all vegan. And now it is out brand new and beautiful, The Yoga Way, Food for Body, Mind, and Spirit. Welcome, Carol Burrell. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's really an honor and pleasure to be speaking with you. It is an honor and pleasure to talk to you. And I love the agelessness of veganism and the agelessness of yogis, because we just talked about your having had your 52nd wedding anniversary, and yet in the past couple of months, you have just joined the vegan lady boss movement, which is so young and so hip and and so active. I do want to say that I I agree with everything you said in the beginning, and there is a holocaust in the animal for the you know at the animal world right now, and so we have to be really sensitive to try to be uh, aware of what's happening to them. And I just want to correct you: I live in Santa Barbara, California. What did I say? Santa something yes, else? Yes, Monica. Santa Monica. Oh. Oh, that's probably because I'm in love with Santa Monica, but I love Santa Barbara too. I like all the Santa places because (laughs) they tend to be close to oceans and usually warm. So my apologies. Yes, you're (laughs) up there in Santa Barbara where the University of California at Santa Barbara has a vegan studies department. That's right. They're actually going to try to make that into a minor in uh, uh, studies, vegan studies minor. And uh, one of our friends, Renan LaRue, is working very hard to make that happen. He's a French teacher there and a wonderful gentleman who uh, invited you to talk here in January. Yeah. As well as Michael. Well, that's a wonderful thing because when you look at any sort of liberation movement, it seems that its first made real by academic acceptance and then the wider popular acceptance follows. So I hope that that minor gets in place and lots of bright young vegans can go out there and and get some vegan academia. So let's now though talk about you, Carol. I mean, you have been around the vegetarian world, certainly the yoga world for a very long time so what came first? Was it yoga or vegetarianism? Well, I got married when I was 19 years old, and I grew up in the Bronx, New York, and I graduated college, Hunter College, which is now called Lehman College, in the Bronx in 1969. And at that time, we decided to leave everything behind and go off with about 10 friends to Europe. And um, we did that. We had a a wonderful journey. But then we decided to come back and search for a new lifestyle. So we joined a commune up in Woodstock, New York, right after the festival uh, that happened there in August uh, 1969. Were you at the festival? uh, Excuse me? Were you at the Uh, festival? Were you at Woodstock? No, we were in Europe at the time, actually. But when we came back at the end of August, we joined this commune, which was uh, in Woodstock, New York. And uh, we were very influenced by uh, this couple, who um, Bob and Nancy Williams, who were very influential and taught us to be vegans. And it was sort of a real eye-opener for us. And uh, we 
lived with them for on and off for about two years in a commune in Vermont and did maple sugaring and living off the, as they say, the fat of the land, or in this case, the sugar of the land. Okay. And uh, we we had a really fun time exploring that different lifestyle. In uh, 1971, our son Matthew was born, and we decided to nest and go back to New York City. And um, I uh, began, um, uh, I was an English teacher there in uh, Putnam County. And uh, in um, 1976, I went uh, I started yoga, taking yoga in 1973 when our son was two years old at the Integral Yoga Institute on West End Avenue. And um, there I saw pictures of Swami Satchitananda and met with these wonderful yoga teachers and this community. And um, at that time, oh, we were vegetarian and uh, we raised our son as vegetarian, which he still is. And 1976 was an important year for me because not only did I take yoga teaching training at the Integral Yoga Institute on West 13th Street, I also went to our first NAVS, North American Vegetarian Society Convention in Ithaca, New York. And uh, I taught there and worked there for um, 35 years. Our last was in 2002, right before we moved to California. It was wonderful to learn from these people. H.J. Dinshaw and his lovely wife, Freya, were very uh, important to us, and they were leading the movement then, which is now being uh, supervised by Brian and Sharon Graff. And uh, we've been to 20 locations throughout the North East, different colleges every summer, and it was just um, our son would go to a vegetarian camp there, and I understand the name has just been changed after 44 years, I believe it is, to North American Vegan Society, a long time coming. But <laughs> A long time coming. Well, I remember yeah. being in <laughs> the room at Jay and Freya's now. house and, at the American Vegan Society and, um, so when I he sent Brian and Sharon off to start the North American Vegetarian Society because the International Vegetarian Union wouldn't allow for there to be an international congress in a country that didn't have a vegetarian society. So right. it was a different era. It was. It was indeed. So after I, I was, I took my teacher's training in yoga because I had a calling from reading uh, Baba Ram Das at the time, Baba, uh, who believed in the prison uh, yoga, the prison ashram project. So I wanted to teach in a prison setting. So I taught, Arthur and I actually uh, co-led a class at Westchester Penitentiary for a year. And uh, that was really interesting to work with the inmates there. And um, then we moved upstate about 50 miles and I started um, doing adult education in, in Carmel High School and uh, I taught English at Mayapak High School. So um, what came first? Well, uh, they sort of, uh, you know, came together. I, I feel very uh, special that I was allowed to get this knowledge at a young age. 
and um, it's really kept us in good stead all these years. Mm. And I got to travel throughout the globe, uh, going to different yoga uh, teaching uh, trainings in Bali and New Zealand and all through Europe and the Caribbean. And, and I, I I love the yoga teaching, and I love my my teacher, Swami Satchitananda. Uh, he opened the Woodstock Festival in 1969, and he was the the guru to the hippies at the time. <laughs> he was. I still <laughs> so have say. a picture on my altar of my daughter uh, when she was probably 10 or 11 months old in his uh, arms. <laughs> I oh, think it's so special. special. How special. So how and, have um, your, your convictions, about the your dietary diet. decisions changed during your lifetime? So we were, I would say, slow learners, and we were vegetarian for 40 years until one summer fest we saw a film called Peaceable Kingdom. And Arthur just started crying, and, uh, and he said, oh, you know, I want to die a uh, vegan. So I said, dear, you want to live a vegan as a vegan. And so at that moment, we just finally became pure vegans and adopted um, what is now for eight years our our diet, uh, which has made us happy and healthy and blessed. Oh, that's wonderful. So when you were vegetarian, you you only had dairy products, I presume, since you were a yogic vegetarian. So no fish, no eggs. Oh, we ate some eggs at the time. Okay. But even before and I then became vegan, what did you I was tell yourself about the, the dairy during all those properly. years of being vegetarian and yet knowing the dinshas? Yes, well, everyone is at their own rate of evolution. And I believe the enlightenment comes at the right time for everybody. I'm hoping the whole world will become vegan, but it's really uh, one meal at a time and one choice at a time. And uh, it just took us a while to sort of catch up, even though I was very involved with the vegan community through all those vegetarian summer fests. And, uh, but Finally, digesting the information and making it a reality uh, came to me and us, and happy for it. Oh, um, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's wonderful. And it, it took me several years uh, as well. And I know yeah. it's a little different now because I think the images are more available, the information is more available, and certainly the planetary situation is, is more pressing it seems like when I yes, think of the absolutely. 1970s, I think of that as when, hey, I'm vegetarian, cool, man. <laughs> but not right. many people were talking about being vegan, other than Jay and Freya Dinshaw, practically nobody. So practically. You, However, you had um, a health challenge back in 2006. Tell us about yes, that. Actually, I was diagnosed with a very rare uh, immune disorder in my liver, hereditary uh, and it was um it caused my liver to deteriorate but i was 40 at the time now i'm 71 and so um you know after this diagnosis i i 
tried very seriously not to eat any oil or any nut butters or nuts. It was, it, it, they had told me that my liver could not really support eating those fats. So um, I limited my diet to a certain extent, and I lasted for uh, 20 years before I needed a transplant, 10 years at NYU Medical Center and then 10 years at Westchester Medical Center. And uh, finally, in uh, 2002, I uh, started to have more symptoms, and I, I had to retire from English teaching and my yoga teaching, which was through the, the school system. And I had been on the list for about nine years, and I took a lot of good care of myself. And then in 2006, I was pretty sick, and they said I had less than a year to live, and I needed a, a liver transplant. So I got one. One night, I got a call at 2 in the morning and come down to the center, and uh, someone had passed away from a stroke, and I received her liver. And I was 59 at the time, and she was actually 60. And she, she, her family kindly, gener- through their generosity, donated her, her parts. There are eight different organs that can be uh, um, used in other people as uh, transplants. So I was lucky enough uh, to get her liver. Other people got her kidneys, lungs, perhaps, pancreas, and uh, small intestine, and um, kidneys, of course. So it was, a, it was a joyous thing. I was in the hospital for several weeks, but I recovered. After about six weeks, I was back doing my yoga. And then I started to teach yoga as a selfless service, not being paid anymore for it since I was on disability. So I had the opportunity uh, to teach at different libraries, and now I teach presently at the Jewish Community Center here in Santa Barbara, where I teach a weekly class that's totally free to the people, and I don't get paid, and it's such a nice feeling to just give it away to whoever shows up that week. Oh, it uh, is a nice feeling. I have been teaching a community yoga class like that for free in my building for about five or six months now. And it's, it's the best two hours of the week. I love it. It's caused me to love and appreciate my building. I used to complain a lot about my building. No, I don't like this about it. I don't like that about it. But now that I'm doing the yoga with my neighbors, I love everything about it. It's very transformational. It's a a great contribution. So the Yoga Way, which is the book that I I co-authored with uh, several other senior uh, students of Satyadananda, as you said, was rewritten from the 1986 version when it was vegetarian-oriented. So Satyadananda still wrote the whole first section, but I did this second section, the the menus, the meal planning, the resources, and uh, the, the book covers, like, so much philosophy about eating right, when to eat, when not to eat, how to fast, you know, tremendous information, uh, very gently presented in this book, and practical recipes that people can make at home. And yeah, I, I love now. this book. It, it's beautifully written, 
And it has a lot in it that you don't find in most books about veganism. I mean, it has things about home remedies for various ailments. I think this is so cool. And I I do want to mention the other contributors to this book. There's Sandra Amrita McLanahan, MD, Reverend Sandra Kumari Desachi, and Reverend Prem Anjali. Um, PhD. So a lot of great people have contributed to the yoga way food for body, mind and spirit. What did you learn from writing this book or being part of writing this book? Oh, I learned how many variations there are on the theme of veganism. Prem Anjali, who was my editor, who I've never met in person, but I have, of course, spoken to her very often while I was doing this in 2016. She was recommended uh, to me by my friend Jivana Heyman, who is um, the accessible yoga teacher now uh, all over the world. And he knew that I as he is a devoted vegan and uh and they really helped me through the process of delineating the different types of, of foods that we eat and as you said at your talk here in January it's not what we don't eat but what we do eat as vegans that's really important and uh, uh I've done um a vegan uh recipes on uh Pauline Public Radio and uh, my my 33 recipes are online. One of them is making locks out of plum tomatoes and my vegan chocolates, which are very delectable. And I yeah. even did an article on how to grow a garden in a, a bag of soil that people could grow in the city on their fire escape, which I think is so cool. And um, and now we have vegan Santa Barbara meetups. We have the uh, Vegan Lady Bosses Club, which just started here. And I'm going to propose a vegan book club uh, to those women who want to read or reread the various wonderful books on veganism. So I'm I'm really very happy, and I take a lot of self care of my. Myself, I go to Reiki and therapeutic touch, and I've taken Qigong, and I love massage, and it's it's wonderful to take care of yourself so you could keep on giving back what I feel I've been given. Oh, that's so beautiful, Carol. As our time is winding down here, I want to ask you a very serious question. When you said that back before your transplant, they had told you at one point that you had only a year left in this life, in this body, what did all your years of yoga do for you when you were looking at that possibility? Well, uh, I feel that faith is a very important uh, quality to have. And as my, my teacher says, Fear and faith don't go together. So I tried to get beyond my fear of losing this life into the faith that if I ate well and treated people well, and it was the hands of God that led the surgeon in my eight-hour surgery at Westchester, you know, uh, hospital, and um, that, you know, it was just a wonderful blessing for me 
to think about perhaps surviving and continuing in this wonderful life. And uh, so, you know, now I, I try try to give back and um, it's been good. So, but, you know, you never really think you're going to die, but there were signs that, you know, I was passing out of this existence and, you know, it's a wonderful thing, transplantation. I think everyone should sign up and, and even if you can't donate organs, there's there's bone and there's a tissue like corneas and there's also a skin. You know, we've had terrible fires here in California and um, 23 people died this past year in a fire right here in Montecito. And um, so people can keep on giving life to others. So, um, you know, we don't want to get too hung up in our ego. If we have to let go, we have to let go. But two things I'd like to say to try to remember in life, that you should take care of your thoughts when you are alone and take care of your words when you are with people. So it's really moment to moment, breath to breath, and heartbeat to heartbeat that we should be aware of. And mantra helps. (laughs) And prayer and meditation really are the tools to success in this life. You certainly embody that. And I have experienced many of your Hatha yoga classes during all those years at North American, formerly vegetarian, now vegan society, Summerfest. But I'm really just hearing from you today what I felt in an energetic way for all those years. You are a true yogini, Carol Burrell. And I'm just so honored to know you. So listeners, please check out The Yoga Way, Food for Body, Mind, and Spirit. There is so, so much to this. And of course, we'll put that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. In our final minute, do you have a final thought? Oh, I feel so blessed uh, to have a, a wonderful husband all these years, a beautiful son who, by the way, is a naturopathic pediatrician who is oh. also an artist, and to have uh, a, a cadre of friends and people who support our our way of life. And um, thank you so much. You're about the only teacher from all those teachers at the conference who showed up 6 o'clock in the morning to the yoga class. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a great fan of you. yours and a great fan of integral written, yoga. Especially I was at a, an event on Sunday and met a very young woman who was telling me that she is an integral yoga teacher and she just had that wonderful integral yoga light about her. So at any uh-huh. time in any generation, the good stuff is definitely the good stuff. And the yoga way, food for body, mind and spirit There's a lot of good stuff, too. Bless you, Carol. Everybody else, stay with us. We've got Dr. Kevin Jenkins from The Cool. Thank you. I'm Shanti Victoria. Thank you for having me. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Have you looked at Unity Magazine lately? It's been beautifully redesigned, and it's full of interesting in-depth articles and interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies and completely new ways to interpret the Bible, plus the latest spiritual books and music. There's a little news from Unity Village, and some of your questions might be answered too. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. You know, if you listen to this show often, you know me as a host, and I'm very honored that you know me at all. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. But I have been a guest in the past week on a couple of really interesting podcasts, and I want to give them a shout out. One is about plant-based eating. It's called Live Planted. 
And it's all about practical tips and practical suggestions for getting your healthy vegan lifestyle going. So check out Live Planted. And the other one is called The One-Way Ticket. And in this, the host offers his guest a one-way ticket. The caveat is you can't come back to any place, past, present, or future, real or imagined. So if you check out the one-way ticket, you'll find out where I would go and where I would spread veganism if I had a magical one-way ticket. For those of you who are new to the program, I am Victoria Moran and I am Main Street Vegan. Uh, MainStreetVegan.net is where you can find out more about what I do. You can subscribe to our blog and our newsletter. The blog this week is Veganism as Oneness and carrying on with our spiritual theme. And that's by Laura Teodori, a wonderful Swiss vegan lifestyle coach and educator, a graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, as is our next guest, Dr. Kevin Jenkins, aka The Vegan Born. He's a protection detail specialist, podcast host of The Cool Vegan Podcast, and an ordained minister with certifications, as we said, a vegan lifestyle coach and educator from Main Street Vegan Academy, and he is a graduate of the T. Colin Campbell E. Cornell program in plant-based nutrition. And I need to add, he is a snazzy dresser. And if you're a guy or if there's a guy in your life who really likes clothes and is thinking, wow, that might be hard without the wool, uh-uh, it's not. You got to see Kevin Jenkins. He knows how to deal with the clothing. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, Victoria. How are you? <laughs> I'm terrific. It's wonderful <laughs> to have you with us. I've got to just ask you about this profession, protective detail specialist. What does that mean? Well, that's a that's a uh, fancy word for uh, a bodyguard. A couple of years ago, I decided that I was going to take some courses uh, in that area. So I studied at uh, two places. Two thousand uh, uh, this well, this is this is two thousand eighteen. Oh, I got I my years right. Uh, two thousand seventeen, I studied at a place called Icon, which is under the leadership of Elijah Shaw. He does mostly celebrity uh, protection. He's very big in that industry. And then earlier this year, uh, the first year, I studied under uh, a gentleman named uh, Eric Parker, who has a company called Select International uh, to do more on the executive protection uh, context, where we just deal with high-level individuals. You know, security is a big issue today, and uh, depending on your network worth or your threats, uh, people are always asking for some type of security. Now, it's not the James Bond type situation. It's mostly uh, just getting ahead of anything that may possibly happen. Uh, and we try to avoid any conflict because that's not what we involved in. In fact, uh, we don't carry any guns unless you're you know, somewhere in a high-level place overseas. But otherwise, uh, we try to make sure that uh, the we call these individuals the primary, uh, make sure they get home safely and to save them also from embarrassment if they happen to be a uh, celebrity because, you know, your, your celebrity is uh, connected to how you behave. And so we try to 
tell individuals how to avoid certain situations that may compromise their uh, net worth. How fascinating. And the vegan born, that's your stick as a protective detail specialist? Yes, that's right. As you know, that's probably a combination of, uh, you know, the Jason Bourne uh, movies. So I decided, well, there's a Jason Bourne. I'll be the vegan born since I'm vegan. (laughs) I love it. And I love what you said, too, about um, avoiding confrontation whenever possible. My husband has been studying martial arts for several years, and he got a tattoo that says the wise warrior avoids the battle. (laughs) Oh, that is that is definitely true. And uh, I, I've studied uh, Krav Maga. I'm still studying that. And that's definitely what you want to do. You want to avoid conflict. We call it risk mitigation. You know, uh, that's why uh, martial arts is called self-defense. It's not so, someone going out and beating up on someone. It is the last resort if your life is threatened. And it's not like a verbal threatening. It's like if somebody's really confronting you, that's the last resort. But you try to talk your way out of it. Uh, you try to avoid uh, situations because you don't have anything to prove. You just want to be able to live peacefully. Absolutely. Well, as we said in the introduction, you are also an ordained minister. And I know lots of ministers who have another career. But a lot of people would think, wow, bodyguard and preacher? <laughs> How do those juxtapose in your life? Well, you know. It's a misunderstanding because basically what happens is that if you read, uh, well, you know, the Bible particularly, that's the book that I use, it's a military manual, you know, uh, not to turn this into a religious show, but, uh, you know, Ephesians 6 uh, says we war not against flesh and blood. And uh, one of the names for Jesus uh, before he came on this earth is Lord of hosts. That's a military term. The book of Revelation talks about uh, military formations and things like that. So oftentimes people look at the Bible as a book of stories and narratives and theology. And sure, that's, that is correct. But it's also a, uh, a conflict. It's a, it's a war where we are told to uh, endure hardness. I think that's in 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's a military manual. So basically what we are to do, and it's not in conflict because uh, a shepherd is one that protects people. So, you know, a pastor is looked upon as a shepherd. So we try to protect. Now, of course, again, violence is not the first resort, but you want to always be aware uh, of your surroundings. Uh, you see a lot today when you're walking down the street, people have their heads in the, set, the cell phone or they're looking at the cell phone, and it's easier for someone who is a wolf that's someone who is a bad guy, a bad person, to prey on an individual because they're not paying attention. In fact, they study by language. And if you don't look like you're strong, you don't have to have muscles uh, to look like you're strong. But if you don't look like you're confident and aware, they often prey on you. And that's uh, the individual that, you know, is not aware of their surroundings. We call them sheep. Uh, uh, the person that, that is a, a protective detail uh, is is called a sheepdog, a one that protects the sheep. That is so fascinating. And I had never heard of the Bible as a military manual, but when I think about it, in, in the Hindu tradition, the Bhagavad Gita is, is all about being guided through a battle. And so maybe life is uh, more of a military maneuver than one might think. So Dr. Kevin Jenkins, tell us your vegan story. 
Well, I started, uh, matter of fact, I just turned uh, this July 28th. And if anybody would look at any of my pictures, I just turned 63. Wait, uh, you are not serious. You, when my husband asked who was going to be on the show today, I was saying, well, he, he's this terrific guy who took the Main Street Vegan Academy course. He's 40, maybe 45. I seriously said that 60 minutes ago. Yes, yes. I just turned 63, and that blows Whew. everybody's mind. Let me t- tell you a funny story in my vegan story. I, I, uh, I'm single, so I took this, I took this uh, uh, young lady out for, at, at, at Season Vegan, right? And, the restaurant. Uh, so and we had a great time, and then she said, well, you know, I looked at your Instagram, uh, you know, after the, the dinner, and she said, you know, I saw these two ladies on your Instagram page. And she said, uh, and they're about my age, she said. And she said, uh, are those your daughters? And I said, yes. <laughs> she said, well, how old are you? So she told me her age. She's in her early 30s. And I told her how old I was. You know, I didn't know her age or anything like that. And she told me that uh, she's not, she doesn't usually date someone who has daughters her age. <laughs> I thought it was very, very funny, you know. So my vegan story basically started at age 19, where I was working in a shipping department, and this one of my colleagues, who was a driver, uh, asked me the question to guess how old he was. So I said, well, you look like you're like 25, and he told me he's about 40-plus at that time. And I was shocked. I said, what are you doing? And he says he's a vegetarian. And I said, what's that? He says he doesn't eat any meat. So I said, and I was, I was working in a library, so I had access to books and everything. And I said, well, let me try that. So I started reading two books that really started me on the road to becoming a vegetarian and then eventually vegan. I read uh, Francis LePay's book, Die for a Small Planet. And I read Dick Gregory's book, uh, Cooking for uh, Mother Nature. And so I made a decision, and I was living home at that time, so I told my mother that I was going to be vegetarian. And my mother didn't say anything, you know. She was just cooking dinner one day. And my mother's from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She's still with us. And if you know anything about the, the folk from the South, they know how to cook chicken. You know, put it in the brown paper bag. They have all the spices. They shake it up and, put, and fry it in the pan. She said nothing. And what happened was that the chicken in a frying pan, the fried chicken smelled so good. I mean, it's even better than Colonel Saunders. That's what my mother used to cook chicken. And I said to myself, well, I'll put this off another day and I'll eat the chicken. But then what happened? I said, you know what? I'm going to be committed to doing this. So I started off as vegetarian. It's much harder back then. That was like 1974, somewhere around there, 74, 75. It was, and I was living in Buffalo, New York. And it was a little hard, but uh, people were, were starting to go into this plant-based living. And fast forward about three years ago, uh, I decided, well, I went to the doctor. The doctor said to me, my cholesterol was high. Uh, he's going to put me on some medication. I said, nope, you're not putting me on any medication. And a voice came to me, believe it or not, and said, you need to go vegan. 
you need to go vegan. I, you know, I, I didn't drink any milk. I was still doing a little cheese, a little eggs, something like that. Of course, I was off meat. And so I just threw out all the cheese and the eggs and all that business. And I went vegan. And shortly after that, now that's three years ago, shortly after that, for some reason, you know, I go on the Internet. And all of a sudden, I said, I saw something called Main Street Vegan Academy when I typed vegan in Google. Uh, learning how to be a vegan lifestyle coach. And I said, you know what? I'm going in all the way. And so I, if you recall, I called you about that course, and uh, you were very good to me on that. And uh, I said I wanted to go in all the way, and I joined your school, and I found out in addition to veganism being a uh, deal with diet, it also dealt with the entire lifestyle, with the animals and um you know, the fashion industry. And slightly after taking your course and then taking uh, T. Colin Campbell's course, I got threw away all of my leather. Uh, had I didn't have much leather, but I had like, mostly it was the shoes. And I threw that out and I found Will's Vegan Shoes and some other places and I replaced all my shoes. I replaced my belts. And uh, here I am today, a happy vegan. What a great story. And, you know, I did not know all these things about you, Kevin. This is really interesting to me. I thought you came to vegetarianism and then veganism through Seventh-day Adventism. So where does that connect? That is a great question. Vegetarianism led me to the Seventh-day Adventist church. Ah. I, yes, because what happened is that I was like, I was, I've always been a voracious reader. So I had my vegetarian diet going on. And a long story short, like I said, I still worked in this library, which was great for me because I would just take out like 10 books at a time and read everything. And for some reason, I was just reading uh, on religion. And I came across this uh, biography on one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Ellen G. White. And uh, that day when I read that book, uh, there was nothing to be done in the shipping department. It was almost like divine providence just cleared the way for me to read the book. And he talked about this group of people who practiced the, vegeta uh, the vegetarian diet. And I said, really? That is amazing. So I made a contact uh, with the church, and they told me, yes, they, they, they recommend vegetarian diet. And come and visit. And as they say, the rest is history. I visited the church. I was very impressed about their emphasis on diet and then also education. And I joined the church and eventually went to two schools because we're big on education. We're probably like the number one uh, Protestant school system globally. And we also have a lot of hospitals. And so I made that connection. And that's what led me into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That is fascinating. And of course, vegans are familiar with Seventh-day Adventists because of all of the studies that are done, because a percentage of Adventists eat meat, a percentage are vegetarian, a percentage are vegan, but otherwise the lifestyle is pretty similar. And so just amazing studies have been done at Loma Linda University and other places using members of the SDA church. That's correct, yes. And in fact, I participated uh, in one of the studies. You know, they used to bring out uh, mail-out surveys. So I would fill out the, the surveys, so I'm part of that study. And, of course, there's a guy named Dr. Uh, uh, Warhaft. 
uh, I forgot his warm. I think his name is. I may yes. not be pronouncing yes. his name. Yes, and he. I think he. I think he'll make a hundred and four years old this October. Oh, uh, amazing! I, I will look up his exact name and exact spelling for anybody that hasn't seen the YouTube video that I think has been up now for maybe four years. I think he was ninety nine or one hundred when he, he did this famous interview where he said he had retired as a cardiac surgeon, what, at 95? And That's right. And yeah, he, my favorite line, he said, I could have worked longer, but it's really time for me to spend more time with my family. Yes. Yes. And he, and he also said he wants to make room for the younger guys. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is so cool. Well, just give us a little bit of background, Kevin, theologically, why your particular denomination uh, suggests, and I know it's not required, but certainly suggests vegetarianism and, I guess, veganism to a degree to its members when almost no other Protestant churches have gone that far. Uh that's a wonderful question. One of our, we have three founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That is a guy named Joseph Bates, and then there's James and Ellen White, husband and wife. Uh, we believe that Ellen White had the prophetic gift. In other words, you know, seeing visions and dreams, as uh, Joel 2.23 says. So she had this vision in 1863, connecting health with what we would call the great controversy between Christ and Satan. And... She's written several books, of course, but a, a lot of books on health. There's one compilation that is I would recommend your audience would get called Councils and Diets and Food. And the things that she saw in the vision and that she predicts are happening today. She says as wickedness increases in human beings, it will also increase, disease will also increase in the animal kingdom. She was one of the first persons to make the connection between cancer and eating animal products. I mean, it's all in that compilation called Councils and Diets of Food. As you know, in the Bible, uh, in Genesis 1:29, uh, the first human beings on the earth were vegan. Uh, because, and when we return, that's in the Garden of Eden, when we return back to that Edenic state, we will also go back to that because uh, I think in Isaiah 6, Five or sixty-six. The Bible says when it talks about going back to Eden in the holy mountain of God, there'll be no hurt or harm on my holy mountain, which means there'll be no more killing. Uh, Revelation talks about there'll be no more death, no more sickness, no more sorrows. And as you know, in order for anyone to eat meat, you have to kill an animal. Well, God's original plan was not to have any death. Uh, in the world. But of course, sin brought on death and misery and wickedness and all that type of thing. So what the Seventh-day Adventist Church espouses is that this is the best diet. We should do the diet that happened in Eden. We need to go back to Eden, where there are no animal products, that we will eat plant-based. And based on studies, uh, we are one of the groups that live the longest in the United States. I think there's a blue zone in Loma Linda, uh, that has written about, been written about because there's like five uh, blue zones where people live over 100 and, and they're still active in their community. They still have cognitive function. And we attribute this to uh, a vegan diet, a uh, vegetarian diet. This is so interesting to me, Kevin, that 
you've got a biblical basis for the belief, and yet there's also so much science that's that's part of um, members of the Seventh Day Adventist Church, physicians, hospitals. So you kind of got the spiritual and the physical all going for you. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And I, go ahead. Oh yeah, and I'll and I'll tell speaking to the men, especially who say that you have to have that you cannot gain muscle mass if you don't eat meat. That's 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 a total fabrication because first of all, in the animal kingdom, the biggest animals are individuals who are who are. Uh, plant-based, like the gorilla, the elephant, giraffe, but also um, you can get the same amount of protein, matter of fact, better quality protein in plants. Uh, if you eat animals, uh, you you are possibly subject, subjecting yourself to uh, high cholesterol, uh, heart disease, because the animal kingdom is so diseased, and the cruelty that happens in the slaughterhouses. I think it was Paul McCartney says that said, and I think it's a quote from him, he says, if slaughterhouses had windows, nobody would eat meat. (laughs) Amen to that. So I did look up Dr. Ellsworth Wareham. If anybody wants to find him, it's E-L-L-S-W-O-R-T-H-W-A-R-E-H-A-M, Ellsworth Wareham, born October 3rd, 1914, and retired as a cardiothoracic surgeon at the age of 95. (laughs) <laughs> so let's all try that, to beat that. Right. So this and weekend Eddie, in, in New York City, this past weekend, there was the Black Veg Fest. Were you out there for that? No, I, I, I in fact, Omo Wale uh, asked me to be on a panel, but I could not be there because I had my, I had, originally it was the 18th, and then they, they, they switched it to 11th, and I had a guest coming in. Ah, uh, well, church, that was just so a, a lead into my question about what you see going on in the African American community in terms of veganism. Because looking in from I, the outside, it looks amazing. I mean, when I wrote Main Street Vegan, I put in a sidebar, almost a little apology of, well, this movement isn't really as white as it looked. And I talked about Dick Gregory and other very prominent African American vegans. That sidebar would not be there if I wrote that book today because this is becoming a very diverse movement. Is that what you see? Absolutely, absolutely. And and it, there's so many, like, kudos to Omawale uh, for starting this in New York. Uh, there's also the Vegan Soul Fest in, in Baltimore, Brenda Saunders, Brenda Saunders, which is like 10,000. I spoke there last year and had over, like, 10,000 people uh, at that event. Uh, it is growing, and in the black community, there is an awareness between diet and health that is it's an untapped resource where people are really getting into starting to go plant-based uh, a, a lot. You could see that, of course, like you said, in a Black Vegan Fest, but you can also see it like there's a, um, a Black Vegans Rock, I think that's on Instagram, where and uh, just the lady, uh, AFCO, uh, who hype, highlights different uh, black vegans uh, around the world. Instagram is really big on not just black vegans, but vegans, period. I oh, think for sure. Have taken over, yeah, I think vegans have taken over Instagram. <laughs> you know, so that is big because we have the highest rates of diseases, diabetes, cholesterol, 
heart disease. And so people are looking for a way to minimize this. And I cannot think of any better way to do that is to get off all animals. Just a quick story. I had three guys call me this year, half my age, and all of those three guys had prostate cancer. The reason why they called me, because they know that I'm a a radical vegan. I I present that on social media, media, et cetera. And I told one of the guys uh, a long time ago, I said, you should get off meat because it's going to do something to you later on because this guy used to bike, barbecue, everything. So they're starting to, to get off. You know, of course, they're, you know, they had the cancer. But I said, listen, it's never too late. Uh, get off the animal products. Get on a whole food, plant-based diet. Uh, that is one way to fight uh, prostate cancer, among other ways. But Absolutely. it is very important in this era that you need to start fighting disease by going vegan. I love it that you are a minister in the true sense of the word because you're also a healer. And that is so much what it's about. Dr. Kevin Jenkins, he's on Twitter and Instagram as Dr. Kevin Jenkins. He's on Facebook as Kevin Jenkins. We'll put all of that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thanks so much for being on our show. And everybody, you got to listen to The Cool. It's a wonderful, wonderful vegan podcast that Kevin hosts. Next week, two documentaries, The End of Meat and Generation Zapped. Come back. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, Don't take your dreams lying down.